Hey everyone, this is Greg. And before we start the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Our first sponsor is Cloud MLX from, you guessed it, Lone Wolf Technologies. Your MLS system needs a dust off, an upgrade, a fresh perspective. With Cloud MLX, the creative team at Lone Wolf have done just that. It's a redo under the premise, what if I could search my MLS like Google? You don't need to replace your existing MLS system software. Just provide Cloud MLX as the easy MLS search solution to your members. They will love you for it. Check out Cloud MLX and the rest of the Cloud Agent Suite at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm very excited to announce from Rob Hahn, the Notorious ROB, comes the Notorious VIP. As a Notorious VIP member, you'll get exclusive access to Rob's intelligent analysis, written and audio commentary, plus op-ed style articles. The Notorious VIP is a monthly or yearly subscription for those in the industry that want to go a few levels deeper. So please sign up at notorious-rob.com. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if any of our listeners are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. And now on with the show. Hey, everybody, welcome to part two of our conversation at Industry Relations. This is Rob Hahn, and my co-host, Greg Robertson, is glaring at me from uh, the Zoom screen. How you doing, Greg? Hello, Rob. Hola, Greg. <laughs> I would have said, like, it's been too long, but no, it's actually been about half an hour. But, you know, who knows when we get, we'll post this thing. But uh, we, we ended up kind of tailing off at the last episode. Uh, in heated debate, and you, you know our listeners love it when you and I get into heated debate. So uh, I figured making some a crazy statement, so I just couldn't let that pass. Absolutely, you can't uh, do not let me make crazy statements <laughs> and, and let it pass. So I just thought it would be fun to just make this a continuation of that conversation. So in case by the time you're listening to this, you know a couple of days have passed. Let's just remind everyone what the context is a little bit. In part one, what we talked about was the Department of Justice uh, pullout of the settlement with NAR, what that means, and as well as the FTC uh, potentially getting involved because of the Biden administration's mm -hmm. executive order containing language about going after real estate specifically. But we were trying to wrap up, and I just kind of mentioned that I think this is the weakest that NAR has ever been politically, <laughs> and I think they're very vulnerable. And you did that, you laughed, and you said, that's crazy talk. And uh, your, your feeling, on the other hand, was nothing much is going to change. Yes. Right. And uh, there's big money who has a vested interest in making sure that- The status quo. The status quo you know, continues forward. But yeah, I think when we said, hey, we, we ran out of time on, on that recording session, so let's get into it. NAR, I think politically, is in the most vulnerable position that it's been in a real long time. Let me just ask you a question, just to stop sure. So membership must be declining, man. You know, wow. So what are we at? Are we are we at half their membership? I mean, or for them to be losing more, you know, political power, they they really must be hurting on the membership front. What what do you know that I don't know? Because what I read, Rob, I yes. might have missed this, but realtor membership is the highest ever. It's almost mm -hmm. uh, a million and a half realtors. I'm, mm -hmm. What metric are you using? So you think just by the number of members they have is what gives them the political power? Association, right? So association a lot of times drives its power from the number of members in that association. 
they generate revenue a lot of times by charging dues. So mm-hmm. I think that would be a, a you know. I'm just throwing. I mean, sure, sure. Know, so, the, so let's let's let's. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll answer this question by. I think you and I should do a little play acting. Okay. Why don't you play NAR's lobbyist? Okay. And I'll play chief of staff for a senator. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm the lobbyist. Of course, I'm the lobbyist, right? Well, because you're you want to point out like you want to make. So hey, you know, great to see you, Greg. Uh, what do you want to talk about with this FTC stuff? I, I think everything's going fine. Thank you. No, you know, I I don't know. I think I'm just going to go, look, I'm getting a lot of pressure, you know, to approve these FTC type deals, right? You know, the commissions are too high. Why should I listen to you? The commissions are too high? Well, they're, they're comp- no, no, what I mean is, you just said the membership, like I'm saying, let's go down that road. Why should I listen to you? Well, you, you're, you're, you're just dropping this on me right now as far yeah, as- Yeah, no, but it's, it's exactly right. So you're saying you have 1.4 million members and you know, membership number is real high, blah, 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 right? Okay, so what you're, what you're saying is that membership is not a reflection of some political capital is, is what- I don't, not because my question as chief of staff would be, okay, what percentage of your members are registered to vote? I think it's a highly, cons- I think it's a conservative group. So I think it'd be, you know, you're talking about the middle eight, you're talking about higher fifties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a little bit, mostly women. So I okay. think a good demographic there that would. Okay. Do they actually vote the way you tell them to vote? I don't think any association can kind of say a hundred percent that they vote the way you vote, but I think we have a pretty strong lobby within our own organization that, that mm-hmm. are educated on the, uh, on, mm-hmm. on the items that are, that are, that are close to housing. Sure. Okay. So, hey, Greg, what's this I've been reading recently about uh, your association went super woke, right? You're, you're doing uh, speech codes on, on your own members? Because I know I've been getting emails and phone calls from some of your members in my district complaining about how woke you guys went and how I need to do something about that. Can you tell me how united is your membership? I think like any good organization, there's diversity in that organization, right? There's some people that have more conservative views, some that have more progressive views. So, right. So whether I oppose you or support you, it's not really going to matter for my reelection effort, right? It depends on, you know, we do contribute and fund a lot of uh, candidates that are in, sure. that stand by some of the policies that we think are good for housing. So yeah. you're talking about, you know, money or investment. I mean, sure. Right. So how, how's your RPAC contribution going? Lose any RPAC contributors recently? I don't have the numbers right here in front of me. (laughs) So let let me explain why I think that that was just an illustration, you know, like play acting. But let me explain why I think NAR is more vulnerable than ever, right? Because one of the things you pointed out is why didn't we see this 10 years ago, 20 years ago? And I'm saying because NAR is much more powerful 10 years ago, 20 years ago. My argument is very straightforward, man. There's two things specifically. I think NAR's actions on the speech code and all the wokeness around race and ethnicity and all this stuff, I think has alienated easily half of the membership. And that's something that NAR doesn't really want to talk about. They don't really address it. But I don't know, man, like for some reason, I've become like the guys that's willing to talk about issues that nobody else wants to talk about. I've been getting consistent emails, phone calls from a lot of brokers, a lot of realtors, and not people who are never involved with the association, right? And the only thing I can say about that is I did a podcast. I interviewed Philip Cantrell, right? Who's the largest broker in Nashville. And he's not some realtor hater. Like he served on local association committees. And he's one of the many who've said, 
I'm completely pissed off about this. So I don't see NAR being able to kind of leverage the same level of political power that they did or could even three years ago because of some of these steps they've taken. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, I mean, I think there's a decisive issue there with some people. Dude, you need to go talk to some realtors in red states. That's all I can tell you, right? Sure. You need to go talk to some realtors in Texas. Like now they're still, they're still realtor members. Why? Because they need the MLS. But if you think like because NAR is coming and telling them you need to contribute to RPAC, do you know how many like major RPAC donors are like, I'm not contributing anymore? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have. I mean, I didn't know those numbers were public. So I don't. They're not. uh, But I know I've heard from like a number of them. So I'm saying if that's just me. Right. So maybe that's a question for NAR. They should come out and state, did you lose any major RPAC contributors like chairman circle type people? Don't you think that? So let me ask you this question. If it came out that RPAC dollars were bigger than ever this year, would yeah. that change your mind? It, w- it would be a factor. Yeah, absolutely be a factor. But like I said, I don't think... We don't know either way, but you're making... We don't know either way, but NAR never used to be this divided. You're making a jump here. Yeah, because NAR was never this divided, right? It really wasn't. And the whole notion of, look, it's neither Democrat nor Republican, I'm realtor party, Right that I think resonated for a lot of people five years ago. I think today, I think that is just history. And again, maybe there needs to be- I mean, I think there's always been some, a lot of NAR's membership has all different types of opinions. I remember that, you know, there's a lot of people that like lost their fucking shit when they invited Trump to speak and he came to speak. I don't think it was a lot of people. I think it was a small minority. Yeah, I I, I think- and again, it would be my Twitter feed, but you know, my Twitter feed went crazy. To Twitter's the definition of the overly vocal minority, right? Because you and I are both on it. But I'm just, look, I'm just saying, like, I think none of those things compare to the changes in the code of ethics. The speech codes, I think, did real harm to NAR unity. God, I don't, I don't, I mean, that's a shame. And I think sometimes that you got to, I don't know. I thought what Charlie put out and some others and what NAR has done has been very brave of them to do. Um, and it's unfortunate that a lot of people don't look at it that way. But it, dude, it's it's not about the statements that Charlie's made. It's about code of ethics changes that tell conservative realtors you're deplorable, and if you say something we don't like, we're going to get rid of you. Well, I think it's it's a little bit more specific than than you're deplorable, and I mean, there's some. You know. I, I, that's how they perceive it. That's how they see it. Right. That's the message they feel like they're getting. And I'm just telling you, man, like, this isn't my opinion. I'm not a realtor. I don't give a crap. I'm just telling you, like, a lot, you know, some of my clients, a lot of my speaking gigs are places in the South. They're in places like Alabama, South Carolina. I've had realtors come up to me and be like, yeah, I, this is completely pissing me off. My own association is telling me, shut the F up. They're the ones telling me that I'm deplorable or I'm racist. And they won't have it. This is kind of emotional for a lot of folks. And I think NAR does not, they, I, don't, I don't feel like they're ready to engage with what that means for political power going forward. That's number one. Number two, I'll give you the second hold thing. Hold on, hold on. Let's just, let me go back to number one. I mean, sure. this is not, again, as we've talked about before, something that's just in real estate, right? This is something that's going on in the country right now. Let's talk about Coca-Cola or MLB pulling out of Atlanta. 
Let's talk about. Yeah, uh, let's talk about there, that. There's a lot of of this type, these types of issues that are happening out there yeah. that people differ on. No, I, I agree. But let's talk about the ML. Let's talk about the MLB pulling out of Atlanta, right? Did you know that the recent All Star Game is the lowest, second lowest rated All Star Game in history? No, it was. <clears throat> and the only reason why it was second lowest rated instead of the lowest rated is because the way they changed how the Nielsen rating measurements. You know, they included bars and so on. So in a year when we have Shohei Otani blowing the doors off, the fewest number of people tuned in to watch the All Star Game. The only possible explanation is the because only, they. This is you go this all the time. Like, what's the other explanation? Maybe because they had to change venues and it wasn't. Uh, it was televised. What what was what is it? Uh, we're talking about television ratings. So basically, it was boycotted. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's the only possible explanation. Why would Americans not tune in to watch the All Star Game in a year? Because a significant number of them said, "Screw this." Maybe the pandemic had a little bit to do with it. What does a pandemic have to do watching TV? Well, I mean, I think there's probably a lot of uh, studies that you can see that our, our consumption of television has been changing due to the pandemic, right? So there's something that the those things like uh, the pandemic can't affect TV or, or our screens or anything else. You can't say that, how would it do this? Well, it, it does affect it somehow, right? You can't say I, I, no, I, I, don't, I don't see that. In other words, you're looking for explanations other than the obvious, right? Do you think that more people have watched TV because of the pandemic or less? Or of more. Television? Okay, so the pandemic has caused people to change their habits of watching television. Right, so by that, by that measure, the All-Star Game should have been the highest rated of all time. Maybe they just have more choices now that are better choices than the All-Star Game. I mean, I get all I'm getting to is you put these superlatives out there like there's going to only can be this reason, right? I just don't agree with that. And I'm asking what other reason is reasonable. We're talking about televised, right? So it's not like a pandemic thing where I'm afraid to go to the park. We're talking about all-star game of the national pastime posting the lowest rating ever in the aftermath of the MLB pulling out of Atlanta. What other explanation is there? I, I don't know how baseball has been trending over the past you know, if that's a trending thing or not, I mean, it's the lowest, but I don't, I don't have enough education to kind of on that, right. that subject to say that it's the only thing that's, that's contributing to that. Well, like I said, it's either that or what American people suddenly decide they don't like baseball anymore. Well, right? I think less and less are, but. So that, I'm just pointing out like, you're right. Like, and here's the thing at the same time, there's evidence that's starting to emerge, right? You go woke, you go broke, get woke, go broke. <laughs> Jesus. Right. Because you cannot alienate. If it doesn't fit, you must quit. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm just saying, man, like if you're any kind of business, right, and you want to tell a big chunk of your customer base, we don't want your money, we don't want you involved, then yeah, you got to expect there to be consequences. In the case of NAR, NAR does not, is not a blue state, red state organization. Because you, I could say the exact same thing would happen if it went the other way, right? So this isn't like a political thing. This is, if NAR went out and did something like, we endorse Trump and uh, we think illegal immigration is, uh, like, you know, if they made statements like that, they would have lost half the membership that way too, right? Okay. NAR was able to do what it did and was able to, even with all the division, right? NAR was able to do that because it's, it really kept stuck to, we're about real estate, we're about property rights, 
or about home ownership or about, about these being things. Woke, then it's about just taking a stand on any particular side. No, no. Like, just told no. me that if they, if they, no, win, no, 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 no. Again, 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 Greg. You don't. You, it's like you don't even want to deal with the fact that there's one thing to make a statement and another thing to pass code of ethics changes that tell your realtors we are going to police you for your words and actions outside of real estate. That is a very different thing. This isn't like NAR uh, coming out and saying we support that. What was the a lot of the equal right, like uh, equal access for uh, gay rights type of thing? You know, like housing rights. You know, shouldn't depend on like sexuality or sexual preference should be a preferred, a protected category. And this was before the law changed. Mm-hmm. That, like you, you'd have some you know small minority people upset about that. Like why is that? You know? But that's not the same thing as coming out and saying, hey, by the way, if you say anything on your personal Facebook profile, we're going to come after you. That's a code of ethics violation. And we're going to come after you, fine you, penalize you. And by the way, report you to the State License Bureau. Those two are very different things. This isn't about NAR making a statement or taking a stance. This is about NAR changing its own code. I think that was very harmful to unity. Right. I see At a time when NAR needs unity more than ever. So that's factor one. Factor two, and this is now total rank pure speculation. Mm -hmm. However, I have spoken to some friends of mine who work in DC. The head lobbyist for NAR is married to Trump's White House counsel. Not the counsel anymore, but- Not the counsel anymore, but clearly very Republican, very connected to the Trump organization. Well, again, I would argue that being Republican doesn't really necessarily mean you're a Trump person either, right? So I, I, those two, to me, things- Hey, man, are- like, I, I, this is not political, right? I'm obviously not a Democrat. I'm just pointing out, the question to be asked is, does that matter in the Washington, D.C. of today? Because it used to be, right, Washington, D.C., even before Trump, right? So, you know, like, you went from, like, Clinton to Bush or, or what's Clinton? Yeah to like Obama, right? Those Democrats, Republicans, but everyone, like the DC culture forever has been, yeah, whatever, different parties. But once you leave and you're in a lobbyist type position, it's a profession, it's a network, and it just works out, right? The question to be asked is, is that still the case in Washington, DC today? I would argue that there's reason to believe that the partisan split in Washington, DC has gotten so bad that there may be both regulators and legislators that, frankly, Shannon is going to have a tough time with simply because of her connection to Trump. That's all I'm saying. Now, I have nothing to prove that. That's just speculation. I'm just telling like, because again, I have interests outside of real estate and I talk to my political people and it's like, we have never seen DC like this. That some of the old like Trump administration people are being like fired from law firm jobs. Do you know what I mean? Like they're being blacklisted. Okay, is like we don't know. So maybe NAR could come out and say, no, no, this there's no basis to any of this. Shannon's incredibly effective, and she's not the only one. And we have teams of lobbyists who have all sorts of connections. I don't know, right? Because she had connections to Trump, don't you? I mean, that to me is the obvious answer. Why wouldn't you, if you're a lobbyist, why wouldn't you hire a lobbyist that was had connections to the current administration? Maybe, but that's not who. That's not where we are now. Because here's the thing. And, and, and you know what? NAR might hire. Might. Uh, somebody miles. else. I mean, who yeah. knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I don't think, I mean, these come and go. 
you, there's nothing wrong with NAR hiring somebody that's going to help. They think that's going to help get their agenda through and they can hire another person. Yep. Now that the administration changes to, to that as well. Right. Yep. So, I mean, life goes on, things change. NAR is going to change with that for sure. Yep. And, and that's all I'm saying. So, but it was vulnerability that didn't exist because here's the thing. My argument is in light of that, the DOJ NAR settlement, there's a narrative there that makes sense to me. In other words, because NAR, because of Shannon, because of a connection to the Trump White House, had significant influence backdoor to go to the DOJ and say, listen, just settle, right? Yeah. Like, don't screw with these guys, just settle this. Biden comes into office, the new administration is like, uh-uh, no, we're undoing everything that the Trump people did. Because we saw like Biden with the executive order repealed a lot of Trump's actions. I, yeah. And I think I think that that I, does make sense to me. No, it does. It does. And I, I and I, I'm going to agree and disagree with you at the same time. So the, maybe it's just all agreeing. I think that happens all the time. Right. So I don't think there's anything new with that. But I do agree with you. So in that case, I think it's nothing special, as you're trying to say. But the special part about it, which I do agree with you, is it's just way more. Right decisive than it has been ever. I mean, that's just been a theme that the country right. moved through. Right. Really and everything. This is not a, this is not a criticism of NAR. It's not yeah. a condom. No, nothing of the sort, man. Like, so, so, you know, maybe what I'm hearing you say is that you might think that NAR is at the weakest it has been now, but all it's going to take is a couple hires possibly to get back into influence it within the Biden administration. Right. Possibly. Right. right. That's, that's possible. Exactly what they did with, with this other uh, lady you're talking about, right? So, I mean, that's, and that's the way the game is played, right? But I think, you know, with real estate, the way it, it has been with more members than they've ever had, once they make that switch to like, to counter what the new administration's about, I mean, they might be in a more powerful position going forward. What do you think? No, about I, 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 so let's go, let's continue on, right? right now. No, let's continue on. So maybe let's figure out where we agree, right? Okay. Okay. I believe that the professional uh, staff at the Department of Justice at, throughout the government, right, the professional staff, not the political leadership, but the lawyers, the regulators themselves, as well as the academics and most of the think tanks are opposed to the real estate agenda. Would you agree? Now, these are leftovers from the Trump administration? No, no, just, yeah, because like I said, man, this, like we talked about, this trend, this pushback against commissions and all this has been going on for 20 years, right? So I'm just saying that the professional staff, the academics, the think tanks, the policymakers, and the media all think real estate agents make too much money and that the practice of seller paying the buyer's agent should be done away with. I'll agree with you, but I wouldn't go and like highlight those two things. I think that all the people you mentioned think that there's that there's something amiss about the way real you know real estate is practiced in this country right now. That's what I will agree with. But as far as like underneath that, I think you know what we just discovered is that the clear cooperation thing was also in part. Of it. I think we learn new things every day sure. about what those concerns are. I would sure. highlight those two. So all I'm suggesting is like the professionals, the policymakers, the academics, the think tanks, the punditry, right? All think there's something wrong with real estate. What has held that back for the last 20 years, I'm arguing, is the enormous political power of NAR. Right. I'm saying in 2021, for a variety of reasons, one which I could say I blame NAR for, the other one I don't, right? Because that's just about political division in our society. 
I think NAR's political power is at the lowest point that it's been in quite some time. Okay. Like right. right now, 2020 would be a great time for all realtors across the country to be 100% united. Be like, holy crap, we are facing a serious threat. We need to go fight this, right? And the division within realtor ranks has happened just when we most need unity. Okay, so this is just to recap. So this has been going on for 20 years. The academic yep. think tanks, they think yep. something's amiss here. This needs to be. And then you had this, the blow up of the agreement that we've had. Yep. We have a change in this administration, right? And now when that time comes, NAR is at the weakest moment because of some other things that, that you're saying that NAR has done is that we've got a schism in the membership. Yep. That they're not all on that and in, 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 all on the same page. Yep. That we're now the NAR is now vulnerable. It's it's most vulnerable, you're saying. Yeah. Um, I'm so not saying it's it's the most vulnerable. Be, we need to be the strongest. Correct. And then the third factor, which is the because the insane housing market, and this is something you pointed out, people are starting to really think about real estate in a negative way, right? And in that thinking about real estate, I don't think that the general public, the general political environment of the, the people as a whole, American people as a whole, is necessarily favorable to realtors. Okay, so you know you can argue for sure that Real estate agents have not had a um, a great reputation ever, right? So, what what makes it different now from back in the danger report, right? I mean, what what is is it worse now? I don't know if it's worse. I don't know. There's, we have. I mean, maybe we need to see an, another consumer survey of some kind. Because then the other part, though, that let me just push back a little bit on the one statement you said that real estate right now. There's a positive side to that. Homeowners. Right, I think I, I've been reading stuff that there's never been a time ever, 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 where homeowners have the lowest debt they've ever had because they appreciate to their homes. Right, so mm-hmm. that's a positive thing. Any, any, you know, and just and that's as far as like debt ratio, right? And then there's just the fact of like they have this asset that's appreciating, right? Mm-hmm. So in some cases, there is a lot of positivity. The other side of the coin. Now, if you're trying to, if you're trying to sell in, in Southern, if you're trying to buy in Southern California, that's a tough road, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're selling in California and moving to Arizona, that's a great thing, right? So there's not, there's not, it's not all bad news, right? There's a part of this whole thing that's happening for a lot of people out there that's incredibly good news, right? Okay. There is a spotlight in real estate. The multiple offer situation, the crazy prices and all that kind of stuff. Yes. But there's also another side of that coin where there's a lot of people benefiting from that. Okay. Agree? Yeah, of course I agree. I mean, that's that's just true. Okay. I guess what I'm saying, but that doesn't address what I brought up, which is I do not believe right now that the popular opinion is friendly to realtors. Let's put it this way. Let's say there's a demagogue. Okay. Some demagogue rises up. He's going to run for Congress. He says, you know, I need, I need some, some issue that's going to get me press and that's going to get me votes. You know, I'm going to go after realtors. I'm going to go after realtors, say that these people are just greedy, blood-sucking uh, scumbags, right? Would the public listen to that demagogue and think, my God, you're just an asshole. Like, why are you going after these hardworking realtors who really help me? Or are they going to say, you know, he's right. Realtors make too much money. Right. Which feels more likely to you given the crazy insane housing market we've had. 
So I would, you know, that's wow. So three things here. Again, I'll go back and I'll ask you what your measurements by, because how do you think in most cases, how to, how do consumers rate or how do they show the importance of a service they're using? They walk and talk with their pocketbook. Mm-hmm. Okay? There's never been a realtors of making the most commission they've ever done in their lives. So if yep. you think by the measurement of like uh, consumers hate realtors so much that they're not paying them anymore, actually the opposite is happening, Rob. They're the membership of NAR, I'll go back to this again, is the highest as ever. There are so many people flocking to be these people that to be in a profession that so many people hate. That doesn't make fucking sense to me at all either, right? So those two measurements, I think, completely contradict those. The third thing is, and this is a stat that I've seen forever that only, you know, keeps going, but it's it's something like 90% of, well, the use of realtors is is its highest rate sure. of all time. Sure. The, the fourth thing here is, and this is a stat used all the time, is that 90% of, I think it's 88% of the of consumers say they would use the same realtor on their next transaction. Yep. Right? So those four things to me, really, I struggle to kind of buy what you're selling right now. I'm not selling anything. I, I'm just pointing out the stuff that I think is why we are at a vulnerable position as an industry. Well, right? again, those things say to me that, we're in a good position, right? No, it doesn't. Because like I said, if you were to go and ask the average consumer, but the issue is when the government comes down and smacks realtors and say, you're making too much money, right? We need to cut these commissions. Is the public going to go, well, that's a government overreach? I don't think so. I don't think so for a second. And, I, and my argument is the insane housing market where prices are going up dramatically and cash offers or whatever, some of the comments you have to start looking at, and again, there's never been any public survey about this. I want to make that clear. And honestly, if NAR is going to spend this money doing anything, go hire Pew Research, go hire some, some reliable survey organization and start asking real questions, not like the steering questions to make realtors look good. Ask some real questions about this because I've seen these comments and it's the only thing we can go by, right? Like comments on stories and such, like Wall Street Journal publishes an article and there are comments from sellers who go, my realtor worked three hours and made $30,000. That's bullshit. And these are sellers who, to your point, have made more money. They have more money in their pockets, all these things. But because it's the same market we've had, because they don't know what, what realtors do, right? They don't see the behind the scenes. They don't see the heavy. They don't see that. All they see is a realtor stick a yard sign. Two days later, there's 48 offers and it seems like it was just a super easy thing and the realtor walked away 30 grand, right? I just don't know how politically we are in a position to go to those cells and say, no, 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 that my realtor absolutely deserved every single dime of the 30 grand that he just walked away for 48 hours of work. I don't know how we do that. I mean, you can pick out, the Wall Street Journal can pick out bad situations and everything else, but you, you know, as well as I do, we both can be in this category probably that that realtor was worth every damn dime. Sure. You know, what that ratio is, again, who knows, right? There maybe has to be some sort of study out there, right? Yeah. And all I'm saying is the politics is not about reality. It's about perception. And I'm saying that the crazy, insane housing market we've just had makes the perception pretty dangerous. That's all I'm saying. 
right? Yeah, I mean, so you keep trying to position this as like somehow I'm making these arguments and I'm condemning. No, I'm not, dude. I'm just laying out for you why I think that real danger for regulation is possible now because the professional staff, the think tanks, all of these people have long wanted this. NR's political powers held that in check, right? And we haven't had this insane housing market. Okay, you combine all three at a time where we most need unity because the threats are real now. These things are legitimately going to get proposed. How are we fighting this rulemaking, right? So the FTC comes out with a bunch of rules and reg- proposed rules and regulations. Certainly, NAR is going to go and argue against like this is a terrible idea, right? Certainly, they're going to go to the congressman and you know all those people and say, hey, you need to call uh, these people or pass some re- legislation that says whatever this, that, and the other thing, right? All of those politicians are going to do a temperature check back with their voters, all of them, right? Say, you know, how, how would this play back at home, right? If I voted for this bill or against this bill, how would this play back at home, right? And all I'm suggesting is the political reality right now is because it's insane housing market we've had, consumers are either not able to buy homes at all, right? Or they're selling their homes in record time for record money and watching the realtor walk away with record money. Yeah, I mean, I, I see, I, I understand what you're, you're, you're- You understand my point, you're right. Don't make it seem like I'm advocating for this. I'm just describing what I see as the political reality on the ground. Right. I mean, to me, obviously, you know, when you're making it, when, when NAR is making a case to Congress, they're not going to highlight any of the negative things. They're always going to highlight the positive things, right? So, and I think there's a lot of positive there, right? Yeah. So as much as you're saying that, you know, and you're making some good valid points and observations, right? There's still a lot of good that NAR can talk about. It's like anything else. It's whatever spin, whatever side wants to put on it and who's more effective to look mm-hmm. that spin, right? Yeah. So, you know, what we have against us is a movement, as you say, t- 10, 20 years of like the think tanks and academics and policymakers looking at real estate going, eh, something's not 100% here, right? There's something needs to change. And you combine that with what, has let's say this pandemic and the social unrest has really divided the whole country, not just NAR, right? So again, I, I go back to you again and say, you're probably not saying this. You're not saying that it's only an NAR thing. No, of course not. No, 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 it, no. It is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing that's going on in the country, right? So we all have different issues. Every organization has different issues on how they've handled the pandemic and the social unrest and what that means to their employees, their family, their co- right. you know, companies right. and their shareholders. I mean, that's affecting everybody. And how- right, right. The, the, hold, on, hold on a second. The only thing I fault NAR for is the speech code. That's it. Because that's not a taking a stance. That's not making a statement. That is a, that, that's a step beyond. That's the only thing I fault them for. And I've, I've written this, right? I said, look, you could have done this without going down this road. You could have done a conduct unbecoming clause. You could have done different things. You did not have to do the speech code, but they did. That's the only thing I fault them for. Is it like some great moral evil? No, I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it was, it causes tactical and strategic changes in the environment because I'm telling you half of the members think that that was, they're offended by it. So you've created division within your own membership ranks to a degree you did not need to. That's my only point about Oh, that. no. I mean, the fact that Rob Hahn disagrees with uh, that policy, I'm sure NAR is, is really 
thought about that a lot. And I'm sure they haven't, but you know, let's see what happens. I'm when sure there's a lot of NAR members that thought that they didn't go far enough, right? I mean, it's you're never going to please them. No, I really doubt that, man. I really thought there's a lot of NAR members who thought they didn't go far enough. I think there's a very small minority of NAR members who think that they didn't go far enough. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what that that ratio is, right? We don't have any really hard data there, so we're no, both- I, 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 we don't have any hard data, but I feel pretty comfortable in saying there was mostly major urban metros in the coasts. That's about it. San Francisco, LA, New York, Washington D.C. Those people, the the super woke social justice warriors, probably feel that way. The vast majority of realtors just didn't want to be bothered with this. They just wanted to go make money. Yeah. Again. You probably have you know good reasons to think that for sure. Yeah, I do. Okay, so I don't know where we leave off with this. It's just that I think we're we're presenting both sides of a. Yeah. Again, I appreciate that you're not saying this is an opinion. You're just laying out these facts of how you see them. Yeah, my opinion is this is how I see it. I'm not condemning anybody. Yeah, I'm not saying we should do this. We should do that. I'm just pointing it out. Now, like I said, the one area where I I do really think I criticize NAR is the speech code. Now, where do we leave this? For our listeners, let's face it, most of our listeners are like association execs, MLS execs, things, things of this nature, right? One of the thoughts I have is if you haven't engaged in this conversation already, maybe you should with your own membership. See if they'll be honest with you and tell you the truth about like what they see happening. Are they willing to essentially, quote, bury the hatchet, right, around the social issue because of the danger that you know, this potential regulation is going to bring. Because if there's a time where we really needed RPAC, we really needed calls to actions to like get answered and all of that from NAR's perspective, it's now. And I think it would be useful to, for our own listeners who are in a position to be able to conduct those studies, have those conversations, and maybe get back to us and say, no, no, Rob, you're completely wrong. My membership is 100% united and our state went 65% for Trump right? Fine. Then I'm wrong. I'm Like I said all along, I'm happy to be wrong. But what I don't want is for people to pretend like everything is fine, pretend like everything's hunky-dory. And I'm like, well, but there's all these problems underneath. And I think there's a possibility that you, you might be right that a big chunk of the NAR membership was was really not down with a lot of the things that they did on this, whether, you know, the, the speaking policy or mm-hmm some of the announcements they've made, but, you know, you could be overthinking that that really played into still that they were bleeding NAR blue as far as when it came to policies and, and political things like that, that, that right. may have not as have bled over into those things as far as you, 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 you're thinking. Right. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not sure if they ever published this stuff, but what our PAC funding ends up to be, Right. And I, I don't know, you know, I wouldn't be surprised just because of the membership up and just the numbers itself and how much money is being poured into real estate that you might have a record year for our pack too. I wouldn't you be might. surprised that, right? You might. And to me, I don't think that blows up your argument because I still think there's a division there. But as far as it making NAR weaker, hey, if there's more money coming in, mm-hmm. that's to me, I mean, money makes the world go around, especially in a in a lobbying organization. So I think that in that case, then there might be a correction or a, a, an adjustment you want to make to say whether or not NAR is at their weakest moment ever. Now, they could be at their weakest moment as far as membership unity, but that, again, that's a cultural 
that's a thing that's happening in this country. It's not just an NAR thing, right? I, I so here's the thing, man. I don't know how it if it bleeds over into the effect of how effective NAR is doing it as yeah. job. I don't know. To me, that the jury is going to still be out on that. I guess. I mean, I just don't know how you say that NAR is as strong as it's ever been. If at the same time you say that the division within NAR membership is the highest it's ever been. It's like saying, is the United States the most powerful that it's ever been, even though we're completely divided as a people, as a country? I don't know how you could say that, right? Yeah, again, it looks, it, it, it depends on what metrics you're looking at, for sure. You know, it, it depends what you're measuring things yeah. by. I mean, I guess, you know, so we'll see. I mean, this is all speculation, and I warned everyone we're going to speculate and argue, right? So, <laughs> like I said, if for MLS execs associations, I would actually love for our listeners to go do their own research and let us know what they find, right? And like I said, man, if I'm wrong, then I'm happy to be wrong. Like, it's not like I want to see the industry go down in flames. Like, I make my money off this industry, right? Like, <laughs> no, no this you, is a real danger. What do you want to have them ask? You want to, you want people to let you know if our pack stuff is down or up? Yeah, or, that's, yeah, or really, they should be talking to the members. They should be talking to members. How do you feel about, you know, NAR, how do you feel about political involvement? How do you feel about all these things? If they can separate their feelings from their pocketbook, does it really matter? Because we're talking about if NAR, if we're saying the power right. is lobbying, right. if the money's there or the biggest ever, then there might be some problems within the ranks as far as how they how they think the association's going. But if the money's up, and then you got to say it's not like in a weakened position if the money's if the money's up there, yeah, it would be harder, right? It's still in a weakened position if you can't get the calls to action. In other words, you started this whole thing off by talking about membership numbers are as high as it's ever been. And NAR has always said our political power depends on two things. One is money and the other one is membership. So because when I can go to the congressman and say, I represent you know 85,000 realtors in your district, that has carries a lot of weight. But if it's super divided, the congressmen people aren't stupid, right? They're they're smart when it comes to politics and vote counting. They'll be like, yeah, but of the eighty five thousand realtors, you know, half of them hate your guts. Yeah, I mean, but but it's still a safer bet if I'm a congressman. Like, okay, they say they're gonna have eighty five thousand dollars. I'm gonna have more of or eighty five thousand members in my in right. in my district. You know, you got to believe they're gonna have some influence, even if all things you know staying the same. That's right. Right. I get your point. Though. Yeah. And at the same time, and here's the thing, politics is a competitive sport, right? So if like, and it's like, we have this much money for your campaign. And I'm like, yeah, but the Wall Street is willing to give me more. Like politicians are, they don't get bought and stay bought. Like you got to keep buying right. them. And I don't, you know, with what's going on with this specific I mean, issue, who the hell knows? That's been happening. I mean, right. who the hell that knows? That always happens yeah. too. That's the follow up. And then the final thing is, it's possible that, it doesn't even matter what the politics are, that the federal government who's been working on this for years and years and the and our betters, the think tankers, the you know, the bankers, all these guys push through what they want. And what they've wanted for a real long time is lower commissions. What they've wanted for a real long time is a breakup of sort of some of the structures that we have, right? And I'm pretty convinced that most of our listeners are simply not even close to being ready. If something like that were to happen. Yeah. And that's a whole other thing. Like, and I've been saying this, like y'all need some contingency planning soon. Well, and the problem is, is that unfortunately, I mean, you know, there might be 1.5 million realtors, but the, you know, as far as the ones that are actually really, really producing, I mean, it's a small number. Mm -hmm. That small number will be 
greatly affected for sure. For and sure. It's going to impact what impact the perception of, of how aspirational real estate is, right? If the top people come into this because they look on cable TV and all these tight fitting suits and yeah. cars and everything else. And yeah. Your average realtors, you know, if the if the top realtors are good and cutting cash, those and that lifestyle isn't like it is. Yeah, it makes it less people want to get into the business, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. So, in any event, uh, I think we concluded our debate and argument. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like it goes round and round, and like again, you give me a lot, a lot of times a reason to pause and think about these things. But yeah, and I'll, I'll say this, man, like. I think it's in- super interesting whenever we get into this type of debate because I, I kind of know that <laughs> we'll debate these things. And I'm, I I have to even tell you, don't make it seem like I'm advocating for this. All I'm doing is explaining the scenario and the, and the landscape. And even you tend to somehow sometimes fall into this thing, like just because someone's describing the threat, like they want the threat to happen. It's like, nah, here's the thing. I think people outside of you and me, like some of the folks out there need to start, like start distinguishing between someone who's describing the danger and somebody who wants that to come true. I do think that that's something that our listeners should take away from. No, but you know what? You're exactly right. And I apologize if I, if, if that, if I go in there, it's just, we're, we're talking and we're. It's, it's, yeah. And it's real estate's emotional. This is just common time. You know, that's, um, that's our job, man. Yeah. That's, that's how I see territory. it. We, yeah. we get into things and yeah. talk about these things and sometimes they're controversial and, yeah. you know, we're going to get stung by that. But if, if we're not willing to put ourselves out there, then. And my point is simply, it's not just us. It's yeah. everybody who says anything like, hey, this is a problem does not mean that they want that problem right. to become what it is. It's just simply saying this is a problem. And I think our industry could do a better job of sort of distinguishing that, you know, for sure. Anyway. With that, I would love to hear from our, our audience on this one, especially with some feedback as to what they see happening in the local marketplace. But in any event, thank you all for listening to the two of us ramble on and argue. <laughs> we, we hope to be back on a more regular basis yes. with you, but boy, it's, it's tough. I mean, I ain't going to lie. It's tough. Yeah. yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And thank you, Greg, for having the civilized debate. See, friends can disagree. <laughs> Show people what it looks like. I appreciate you, man. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Industry Relations. Rob and I both appreciate your support. If you can find the time, please visit wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write a quick review. It really does help the show. Thanks again. And from Rob and I, be good to each other.